You're in the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. And there was a comment on iTunes reviewing the PowerCast recently saying, you know what, we're so skeptical that I can't get any guests except for my close friends. And I think, who are my close friends? So let's see. Well, for example, Stan Friedman's one of my close friends. Jerome Clark is a friend, not a close friend, but somebody I've known for many years. Jim Mosley, Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley. Gee, there's a lot of people I know who come on the show, so I guess if I stay with my close friends, I'm doing pretty well. And today I've got another friend, and at one time we knew each other quite well, but we haven't talked in over 40 years. And you wonder, we have actually spent, prior to this interview, about six or seven minutes on the phone getting reacquainted. And now that we're reacquainted, I'll acquaint him with you, because he's someone maybe you haven't heard about, but he has a lot of knowledge and has done extensive research into UFOs and related mysteries. He's Dave Halperin. He's author of a new book called Journal of a UFO Investigator, which happens to be a novel. We'll get to the book later on. Dave, 45 years later, how's it going, man? Enjoying life, Gene. <laughs> so tell me what you've done in the past 45 years. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I started out as a teenage UFO investigator about in the early and middle 60s, and that was when we knew each other fairly well. And then later my UFO interests waned, and I became interested in other things, like the wheels of the prophet Ezekiel, and traditions of heavenly ascensions, and otherworldly journeys. And unlike UFOs, these were things which back in the 1970s, it was possible to go to graduate school and study and write a Ph.D. dissertation and get a job, in my case, in the Department of Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and even get tenure in it. And once I got tenure, I began to think about what I guess it's pretty obvious that these interests, although perfectly respectable academically, are pretty closely related to my teenage UFO interests. You never ran away from that original interest in UFOs. Or if I ran away, it followed me. <laughs> it has a habit of doing that. I've tried over and over through the years to give up UFO research. I do it for a few years. And then somehow it drags me back in back in 2006. I was dragged in... Not kicking and screaming, and that's where the Paracast started. Anyway, okay, so let's go back to the teenage UFO years in reality, and we'll look at the novel later on. But mm -hmm. back in the 60s, back in the 70s, young people were attracted to things like UFOs. Why? Was it something that was wrong with us? Why were we attracted, you and I and Alan Greenfield, Jerome Clark, Tim Beckley, all these people being interested in the possibility that we're being visited by E.T.? I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. And I will tell you exactly how I got drawn into it. In the fall of 1960, when I was 12 going on 13, I read a book. And this was Gray Barker's They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. I remember being seized by the conviction that this was the truth. 
that flying saucers had to be real, because otherwise, why were three men in black going around silencing people about it? I know, I know this because I've reread a column I wrote for my school newspaper on flying saucers. I didn't yet call them UFOs. That initially I didn't believe they were from other planets. So that the subject fascinated me, not because I thought they were extraterrestrial, but for some other reason. And I think I can guess at that reason. Now I will tell you this. Knowing that probably anybody who reads my novel can guess that this part is autobiographical. That in our household, which was a family consisting of me, my father, and my mother, we had a terrible secret. That none of us dared to speak with each other about. And that was that my mother was not merely a semi-invalid, as we called her, but that she was slowly dying of an incurable heart disease. So when I read Gray Barker's stories about the terrible secret that three men in black visit you if you come even close to it and force you not to talk about it, this seemed to me a true and faithful mirror of reality as I knew it and the reality that nobody else would talk about. So for that reason, I became convinced this was real. In retrospect, I think more and more people realize that Gray Barker was a very good storyteller. He'd take the truth and sometimes add a little bit more than the truth to his stories, to his books, to his magazine articles, more so as he got older. Did you come to that realization, too, at any point in time? Oh, I think so. But I think there's something else true that Gray Barker had his own secret. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. We had a story here, as a matter of fact, we had an episode. We featured the movie Shades of Gray, this yes. biography of Gray Barker about his life. And yes, we had Jim Mosley on. We had people who knew Gray Barker in addition to Jim, so certainly there are no secrets here. Yes, and the secret no longer seems quite as terrible as it would have in the 1950s. And the secret, for those of your uh, listeners who are not familiar with it, is that Gray Barker was gay. And let's hope that we're moving into an era in which no one can even understand why that should be kept secret at all. But certainly in the context of West Virginia around the middle of the last century, Gray Barker was carrying a terrific, terrible, unrevealable secret and I think that whatever his distortions whatever his fabrications whatever his let's call it let's give it the finest term we can mismaking was in that book it's informed by his own terrible secret and that gives it the feel of authenticity so in a sense knowing he had to keep a terrible secret he could extrapolate and see how other people were keeping their own terrible secrets. Again, assuming that the secret at one time was considered terrible, of course, it's not today. Yeah, or he could, let's, let's uh, just put it a little bit differently from the way you did, that he could infuse whatever may have happened to Albert Bender and perhaps the other people he writes about with an authentic feeling of terror 
and the need to keep something secret. And I think it was this authentic feeling that spoke to me when I read his book and convinced me, yes, this is the truth. The people who say these things are not real, they are the liars. With regard to UFOs, I think a lot of people came to that realization for different reasons. But do you believe there really are or were men in black? Oh, boy, I am hesitating here because in a, the answer is no and yes and no. Well. Okay, I think Bender <laughs> was probably visited by somebody. I don't know who or why. I've read Mike Swords' theory that government red hunters, this was the McCarthy era, of course, 1953, that government red hunters picked up on the name of Bender's organization, the International Flying Saucer Bureau, the word international rang alarm bells. They thought it was a communist front organization and stopped by to find out. That, to me, is the most plausible theory. And we'll go into more theories in a moment. We have David Halperin. His new book is called Journal of a UFO Investigator. It's a novel about the teen UFO years. I'm going to ask him if I'm in the book, because I'll tell you why in a moment. (laughs) I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Skip the long lines and high prices at the florist because right now at proflowers.com, you can get 
two dozen assorted roses with a free glass face and a free box of chocolates for just $29.99. Just visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Unlike overpriced flowers at the florist, which sit in the cooler for days, our flowers are sent fresh cut from the fields and are guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days. Just visit proflowers.com today to get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and free chocolates for only $29.99. Order now and pick the delivery date you want. It's guaranteed. But hurry, because Valentine's Day is this Monday, and our special offer ends this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Gun sales are on a staggering pace. Gun prices are going through the roof, and that means desperate, vicious criminals now want your guns and will do anything to get them. Now, a new book reveals powerful secrets for hiding your guns from thieves and looters. You'll learn step-by-step battle-hardened techniques, where to hide your guns so criminals will never find them, how to create the perfect hiding place, as well as the places you should never hide your guns. Under any circumstance. These and other closely guarded gun-cashing secrets are guaranteed to keep your weapons safe safe and out of sight when the going gets tough. But listen up. For security reasons, the Hide Your Guns book and even the website may disappear without warning at any time. Go to HideYourGuns.com. That's HideYourGuns.com. Or call 877-327-0365. Before they come for your guns. HideYourGuns.com right now. Right now. Right now. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. We return with Dave Halperin, my old friend from Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact, who has been studying UFOs on and off for many, many decades. He's author of a new book called Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel based on the teen UFO years. And we're talking about his belief, his belief systems, and about, right now, the men in black. And we started with Gray Barker and the book They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, which was his bestseller that made him famous. And probably he lived on that, that fame, more or less, for pretty much the rest of his life. Although he was not wealthy by any means, but that's another story, as contained in the documentary Shades of Grey. Anyway, okay, so you think that maybe not three men in black, but government agents came to Albert Bender and just were curious as to what he was doing, that he didn't just make it all up. That's my guess. Do I believe in the three men in black? How about if we transfer that from belief in them as flesh and blood human beings or entities in this tangible world to some sort of psychological pattern that tends to emerge in different times. Okay, now you're raising some interesting possibilities here. Okay, so 
we're moving in one area, physical men in black or government agents dressed in dark or black suits. And now you're talking about something psychological. In what sense? Uh, probably Jungian archetypes. Okay, let me tell you where I'm going with this. Sure. That one of the people I've been working with, that I've been studying over the past 10 years or so, was a Jewish mystic, a Kabbalist, from the 17th century, named Abraham Miguel Cardozo. And one night in 1683, Cardozo has a vision. He sees four people on the moon, three men and a woman, and he thinks he knows who the three men are. The three men come down from the moon, straight into his garden, and afterwards into his bedroom, it seems. And there they discuss Kabbalah, they discuss theology with him, and it becomes clear that they're not the people he thought they were. Instead, they're demons who have been sent to seduce him into heresy. They challenge him to have his gods send fire upon them to burn them up, which he can't do, and instead their demon god sends fire upon Cardozo in the form of a burning fever, and he speaks at one point that these three black-clad beings stood by my bed. I'm curious, one question here very quickly. Sure. They came down from the moon. Were they in a craft of some sort, or did they just basically levitate? He doesn't tell us. And I'm quite sure he had no idea that the moon was, what is it, 240,000, 280,000 miles away. My guess is he thought it was just beyond the next fence. But no, he doesn't say a word about a craft. So do you get this sense here that he was writing of something real or something that he dreamt? Let's say a hallucination. Okay. I don't think he saw these as physical beings. But I think when he saw them, he was experiencing something he'd seen in paintings from his ch and sculpture from his childhood. And I need to say that Cardozo, although he was Jewish, was brought up as a Catholic in Spain. In Spain, there were myriads of paintings, of sculptures, of the Virgin Mary standing on the moon, often accompanied by three male cherubic heads. And I think that a memory of what he'd seen as a child erupted from his unconscious. So we have this image of three men that goes through our religions, too. Yeah. And that, I think, is what an archetype is about. It's something that's part of us, that seems to transcend us as individuals. In that sense, it's outside of us. In that sense, it's something real. And in that sense, I can say, yes, I believe in the three men in black but as visitors from inner space, not from outer, and not most basically from the government, even though, I mean, Bender's visitors may have been from the government, but, and, they, and presumably they were real flesh and blood human beings, but that they get their power, the story gets its power 
from their fitting in with this archetype that Cardozo also experienced more than 300 years ago. So do you think that maybe Bender's experience was partly physical and partly psychological, that he framed it in this way because of the archetype and the unconscious feelings? Here we have to guess. I think it's a possibility. Well, you know, of course, Bender wrote this book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, where he claimed that the three men in black were really alien visitors from the planet Kayak. And also he reported, you know, receiving some sort of sexually related treatment as part of this. And having heard Bender lecture about this, it's not something that Gray Barker, who published the book, just added to the tale. Maybe Barker wrote it, rewrote it extensively, did a lot of editing, but the core story was Bender's. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I certainly don't believe that it happened in what I guess Jerry Clark and others would call consensus reality. Okay. And yet I think it may have some significance to understanding the meaning of the three men in black. Well, it's very interesting, too, that we haven't heard so much lately of Three Men in Black. I mean, certainly if you read the books of John Keel, he had all sorts of stories about that. He encountered evidence of people making fake phone calls, things like that, evidence of people encountering them. But lately we don't hear it. Do you? I have not. Okay. Now, we did a show on the Men in Black recently with Tim Beckley and Alan Greenfield, And both went into areas where, as a matter of fact, they did encounter supposed people who may have been men in black. And some of those things are kind of controversial. And those who haven't heard the episode, I'll just ask your neighbors, you know, listen to the episode that we did on the men in black and make your own decisions, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you feel that Alan Greenfield, for example, believed a little too much when he saw this person go around the corner and suddenly he's gone or about the person seen outside the home of the late Jack and Mary Robinson in Jersey City, New Jersey. You know, who was that person? That's a good question. That's a very good question. We have Dave Halperin. He is author of a book called Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel about the teen UFO years. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. 
If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish and M10 gas masks are three for $30. And Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com. The main name in military supply. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You're in the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, who is now our permanent co-host. For those wondering, he gets his gold watch next week. No, he doesn't. He gets his gold watch after 72 episodes. And then he gives it back to me because we can only loan it to him. We can't afford to actually buy one. I think it's going to be one half <laughs> carat gold. I'm sorry about that, Chris. Our guest this week, my old dear friend, Dave Halperin. We've rediscovered him after all these years. I'm really happy to enjoy what he has to say, the, his extensive knowledge about ancient studies and UFOs. 
He's author of a book called Journal of a UFO Investigator. Now, we were talking about physical and maybe not so physical men in black, but back to Albert K. Bender, the book Flying Saucers and the Three Men. So I want to basically leave this after this particular reference. David, do you think that he actually had a physical encounter with aliens, or is that part of the science fiction or part of his imagination in terms of believing he had an experience that didn't happen? Okay, well, I can tell you I'm completely convinced he did not have an encounter physically with aliens. Now, where that, where his story comes from and what significance we're to give to it in making sense of Bender himself, I don't know. It is really striking to me, Gene, that you refer, you, I, I think you're referring to that episode where he's taken aboard a UFO and there's three women wearing tight uniforms and they massage every part of his body without exception. Oh, yes. I mean, I this was, I remember when Jim Mosley reviewed that book in Saucer yes. News and he was going wild over that segment, as you might expect. And it's only one incidental throwaway remark. And we only can infer what went on from that without exception. And I can't remember whether Bender italicizes that or not. And yet, I think probably Mosley's instinct was correct. That that experience with the three women, or the imagined experience, as I would think, was something pivotal to Bender's story. So you think that sexual innuendo there, that has something to do with the original report of being visited by three men? That I don't know. And I don't know, I don't know how these things fit together. But it does strike me that that, all, that unobtrusive remark of Bender's seems to be so well remembered and i really believe that how people receive what you say how people report what you say may point to the inner meaning of what you've said am i coming across here oh yeah i I think i understand perfectly what you're saying chris yeah Well, okay, let's look at some of the definitions here. We seem to see that these beings, whoever they are, seem to come in groups of three. Is there some symbolism about that? Well, what strikes me, and the reason why I raise that with you, is that as far as I know, Bender's the only one who experiences them as three. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't recall another case of the number three actually occurring in the lore. And yet we remember them as three, which leads me to think there is something archetypal about that number, something connected with Cardozo's three men in black from the moon. And the model that I would use to interpret it would be the Jungian archetype of the quaternity, that there is something embedded in our... I'm going to go so far as to say collective psyche, though I know I'm getting onto to extremely thin ice here. Something embedded in our collective psyche that sees a significance in the number four of which the fourth member is different from the other three. And where you've got a threesome 
it may be a quaternity that's been in some way mutilated and abridged. Now, if you ask me who is the fourth to Bender's Three Men in Black, I've got to admit, I don't know. But I think the persistence of that number suggests that there's something about it that our psyches respond to. That makes sense to me. Uh, I, you know, you don't have to worry about talking about Jung around me. I'm a, I'm a real uh, an aficionado. In fact, I got a copy of the Red Book. I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, all his journals, yeah, from ni- 1916 through 1932, were released by the family in this huge yes. two foot tall book. Yes, and and Jung, I I think it, I think for mainstream nuts and bolts ufology does not get a fair shake. I think there is something to the collective unconscious. I I don't care what Jerry Clark says. I don't care what Stanton Friedman says. They're they're missing the boat as far as I'm concerned. There's tremendous uh, importance in examining the collective human unconscious as it result as it relates to paranormal subjects and especially ufology. So I applaud you on that analogy. But now I have to ask you a question, Chris. Did Jerry? deny the relevance of Jung or simply deny that this was the core of the mystery? Well, it's, it's funny. In, in one, I think in one uh, breath he was saying that there's no such thing as a collective unconscious, that he didn't believe that. And then he went on to describe a scenario where something akin to an out-of-the-box theory uh, has, has all of us uh, sort of manifesting this together. Which sounds like he was denying it and um, and agreeing with it in the same uh, practically the same breath. So, no, he he really he was really down on on valet and and Jung and and just the whole idea of of collect, collectively manifesting uh, phenomena, which I think is going on personally. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I, I certainly am I'm drawn to Jung, despite that I find his mystagogic style of writing very off-putting. Yeah. I keep, in my research, I just keep running into data that I need Jung to correlate and explain. Like the three men from the moon accompanied by a woman that I talked with Jean about earlier, whom the Jewish mystic Abraham Cardozo sees in 1683. I, I, I think I have my differences with Jerry, but I'm not sure they, from my own perspective, that they're quite that sharp. It's just, to, to me, it's just a question of emphasis that he sees the essential uh, issue as being the event anomaly, which I guess I, I don't know that I'm qualified to talk about, although I tend to be skeptical about it, whereas I see the essence as being in the experience anomaly and what inside us that may be coming from. Well, I, I really do feel that we have to be looking at these things from an out-of-the-box uh, perspective. Yeah. And I think Jung's Jung, uh, although I don't agree with everything that he postulates, uh, and and I do have a problem with some of his languaging, uh, as you do, I, I do really have a sense that there is a collective manifestation of phenomenon going on, and hu- the human mind tends to revert to archetypal primal uh, symbols, and uh, when when it's faced with the unknown, and. Yeah. And and I found that I've interviewed thousands of witnesses as a field investigator over the years, and and I've noticed this tendency for people to get very basic uh, when they describe their emotional state, 
after an experience, when they describe the details of something that is, uh, in their mind, fear-based especially. And uh, you, you see it in the New Age as well. There's a, there seems to be a knee-jerk uh, reaction to this stuff to go to very uh, positive uh, archetypal symbols, archetypal symbols. And, um, and this is something, again, that I don't really feel gets uh, enough attention in this field. And I, and I you know, thank, thank you for, <laughs> for bringing this up. I, I, this is an important issue for me. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have David Halperin, author of a novel, Journal of a UFO Investigator, longtime researcher into UFOs, especially involving ancient studies and so forth and so on. We'll get to that in a moment. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. Hey neighbors, max security threats come in many forms. Trojan horses and other types of malware try to infect your Mac. Booby-trapped websites try to steal your personal information. And hackers try to get into your Mac over a network. Intego Virus Barrier X6 is much more than just an antivirus program. Virus Barrier X6 protects against all these threats and more. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. 
If you're serious about playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest-running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation, specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure. There's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888-NUC-MVP1 or go to nationalunderclassmen.com to find out more. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. We return with David Halperin. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. We're exploring now all sorts of images and beliefs about UFOs, about ancient studies, how they may relate to modern studies. Do you think if we have physical UFOs, David, that they were here when Ezekiel saw the wheels as depicted in the Bible? No, no. I mean, and here I would totally agree with Jerry that what we've got in Ezekiel's vision is, I guess we call, I, I'm not even sure I would, yeah, I guess I would call it an experience anomaly, because I spent much of my life studying that vision and the spin-offs of that vision in Jewish tradition, and I've got to tell you, I still don't understand it. <laughs> I don't see it as a machine. I don't see it as anything extraterrestrial. I think I know the direction on which I try to understand Ezekiel's wheels. But when I try to explain the details of the vision verse by verse, I find myself baffled. Interesting. What, what about it doesn't work for you? Well, take the, uh, take the wheels themselves. What are these wheels? I mean, the song that's based, the spiritual that's based on the chapter, Ezekiel saw the wheels way up in the middle of the air, is sounds much more UFO-like than the uh, than the vision itself, than uh, Ezekiel's description itself. Uh, what Ezekiel describes, and I'm taking just a moment to open my Bible to that chapter. He says that as I beheld 
the living creatures behold one wheel. My translation says at the bottom, but the Hebrew says on the earth, hard by the living creatures, at the four faces thereof. Now, what does that mean? What is a wheel on the earth? Why is it on the earth? Then in the, that, that was verse 15. Now, in the very next verse, the appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of, the, of a barrel, and they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work were as it were a wheel within a wheel. How did we get from one wheel to four? Do you see the sort of problems that keep bugging me? Well, it's almost like a riddle. Yeah. And I, I, while, while we're talking, I have in front of me an illustration from the frontispiece of a book published in 1935, Studies in the Book of Ezekiel, that shows a silver coin from Gaza in the latter part of the 5th century BCE, which would be about 150 years after Ezekiel. It shows a bearded human figure sitting on what seems to be a chariot, which has both a very prominent wheel with four spokes and a very prominent wing between the wheel and the human-like figure. And right around the face of this bearded figure are the three letters, the Hebrew yod Hey vav which seemed to, to indicate the Jewish God, Yahweh. So this looks like a picture of Ezekiel's God riding a chariot with a wing, and the wings are all over the place in the first chapter of Ezekiel, and a very prominent wheel. So I think those are the lines along which we're to look for an interpretation of what Ezekiel reports in this chapter. I don't think in terms of modern uh, technology, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial at all, but if I take that picture and apply it to the chapter, there are, the chapter says so much more and so much conf so confusingly that I don't know just how to make the connection. In the long and short of it, David Halpern, are we saying then that people like Eric Von Daniken and even our old friend Yona Fortner from the days of Saucer News, when they talked about spaceships visiting in ancient times, none of that is physically true? Yeah, I would say that. I would absolutely say that. Now, that doesn't mean, if we're going back to our friend Jung, that doesn't mean that Ezekiel's vision was not of UFOs. Hmm, that's, that's an interesting uh, uh, yeah. paradox. <laughs> right. That what, was the, what was the name of the book that was uh, written by the NASA scientist, uh, I think, in the 80s? I have a copy of it uh, in boxes somewhere. But it was an examination of the Ezekiel description, which he was able to then kind of create this, this strange-looking contraption that is on the cover of the book. Do you remember that book, Gene? Offhand, no. It was I'm a NASA scientist who wrote a little book about Ezekiel's, uh, about the actual um, physical device that he felt was being described. Um, I'll, I'll have to do a little research on that while we're doing this, and I'll uh, 
I'll mention it for our listeners. It's a pretty interesting book, but but again, it, it flies uh, in the face of what David's saying here. So let's let's continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'll go find the title of this book while while we're talking. I think the author is Josef Blumrich. Yeah, I'm not sure he was an American NASA scientist, uh, if I remember correctly. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay, so we'll hear the sound now of Chris O'Brien. Searching Google or his vast library, which he can't do because he's not at his home office now. He's in California. He's watching the bikini clad babes. Oh, yeah. Through his picture window. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm right on the beach. That's right. He's talking to us from the beach, folks. Okay. You know, so we always wondered about that, whether this guy is involved in the beach. But now we know that he wants to be a beach bum, which you can't do in Arizona. <laughs> Okay, so let's go back to what we're talking about here, David. Okay, so if the ancient events that we see in the Bible and elsewhere, if they're not physical UFO visitations, you know, rather than going into various causes that we've already started covering, when do you think the UFO mystery as a physical phenomenon, if it is a physical phenomenon, began? Okay, and there, I think, I I would start us with 1947. When it becomes, and I'm not sure if I would say as a physical phenomenon, but as a cultural phenomenon. I mean, people have seen odd things in the skies going way, way back. There's no question about that. But it seems to be with the Kenneth Arnold sighting that it becomes an identifiable enigma that you point at certain, that, that uh, there's a certain class of mysterious things that are called first flying saucers and then UFOs. Whether there is anything physical present, I do not know. Uh, I'm inclined to doubt it, but I've got to say that Jerry Clark is far more qualified to speak to that end than to speak to speak to that aspect of it than I am. But I would just have to say for myself. I am disinclined to think there is anything physical out of the ordinary. Okay, Maybe would you look into things phenomenon. like ultra-terrestrials, like what John Keel was talking about? Is that referring to something that is physical or not so physical? What, what, how, does, how does Keel use the term ultra-terrestrials? <laughs> that they're demons. They're here to mess with our heads. Yeah, and I believe in demons... As a psychological phenomenon, I think when we talk about our inner demons, it's a very meaningful way to speak of the things that torment us. And I have no doubt that people like the one I keep coming back to, Abraham Cardozo, will experience those demons objectified outside themselves. But I certainly don't think they exist the way rabbits and dogs and cats do, and the way the planet Venus or the moon or the, st- or the clouds or the meteors do. Of course, the question will be asked by our listeners, and the one I'll ask, and we'll probably have to pursue that question in the next segment, and that is, okay, if they can be photographed, if they can be tracked on radar, if they evidently leave physical traces in the ground, how can we say UFOs 
are in physical, or at least some are in physical. And David, you'll hold that answer, and we'll let you respond as soon as we do the station break. We have David Halperin. He has studied the UFO enigma for many, many years from various points of view. He's also the author of this new novel called Journal of a UFO Investigator about the teen UFO years. And we'll revisit that a little bit later in the show. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. David Halpern is our guest. So the question on the table is, if UFOs are not quite physical, how do you explain the physical evidence that's out there? Can you give me some specific examples of the physical evidence? Okay, let's look at radar visual sightings. You see something strange in the sky, you track it on radar. Is that real or Memorex or what? I don't know. Now, I am going to admit here a great weakness of my approach. And that is, do you remember You remember Lex Mebbin from the old days of ufology? Okay, Lex Mebbin was one of the executives of an organization called CSI of New York. This is before we had the CSI show about crime scene investigators. It was one of the more scientific UFO investigative organizations. They had a body of great information. This goes back to the 50s and 60s the organization was around. Yeah. Now, I remember when I was a kid, a teen ufologist, reading an article of his in which he wrote very trenchantly. He said, of course, skeptics don't read sighting reports. Nine out of ten insist on arguing in generalizations and couldn't tell a good sighting from a poor one if their lives depended on it. And I remember thinking, you know, this guy is absolutely on target, and this is what we have to cope with skeptics who are ignorant of the data and don't want to be familiar with it. Now, I am in the position of exactly those people whom Mebbin criticized and whom I resented so badly. I am persuaded on, let's say, a priori grounds that the UFOs are wildly unlikely that they're extraterrestrial vehicles. Having come being at that belief, holding that belief, I do not spend time studying the reports 
that might convince me otherwise, but rather dismiss them by saying, there must be some explanation. I don't know what it is in each case, and perhaps in many cases I would never, no matter how I studied it, know what, it is, know what that explanation is, but there must be an explanation. You remember, Gene, that case, that landing with, with physical traces that you and I crossed swords about? Tell our listeners ago? about this, because this is interesting, of course. Now, understand, David and I were very good friends as teenagers, but we had sort of a falling out, publicly, as a matter of fact, over a single case in New Jersey. Tell them about the case and about what you discovered. Okay, what the case was, it was at Glassboro, New Jersey, in the fall of 65, Glassboro later became famous, I think in 68, when Lyndon Johnson and I think Kosygin had a summit there. But in 65, it was simply a sleepy town in South Jersey until a UFO landed there and left, I think, a central hole, three smaller holes that were pushed into the ground, not dug, as was determined by some investigators, I'm not sure how by a tripod that had rested there. A branch of a tree had been broken by the UFO that landed. And I remember, Gene, you and I debated that case in public, and you had the temerity to say that it was a hoax. And I defended strongly its authenticity, even though the young man who had dug the holes set off the cherry bomb and told the boys who later made the report that he had seen something land, even though he had confessed. I remember that, I, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, w I, I was sure that his confession was like, well, you know, all sorts of people confess to murders just to get in the newspapers. Now, in retrospect, I can see that was absolute nonsense. So this is a public apology? Not exactly an apology, an admission that I, that I was wrong and you were right. Well, I like to be right sometimes, but you know, I respect what you say because I appreciate your intellectual honesty. Because I think some of the problems we have in the UFO field, far too many people, you know what they're going to do? They'll go there and they'll insist till their dying day that an event is true even though it's not. Because really, how often do UFOs land in a place that was an easy bus ride from Levittown, Pennsylvania, where I grew up? It had to be real. Okay, now this is, I think we can go into my motives for believing that so strongly in much, in much more depth. But I guess for the moment I'm using that to illustrate that at least in some cases of physical evidence, it really is not so. Now, you, you or Jerry or somebody who knows the evidence much better than I do can present me with other cases which I cannot dismissed so easily. So what am I going to do? Do I have, and perhaps this is the basic epistemological question, do I have the right to say that given that the arguments against the physical reality of UFOs seem so strong to me, given that, do I have the right to say dogmatically there must be a natural explanation, be it hoaxes, misinterpretations, 
whatever, or conceivably some natural phenomenon we don't yet fully understand, that there must be some such explanation, even if I can't point to it. I can understand and respect those who say that this is closed-minded dogmatism. I would continue to maintain that it's legitimate and that it's what I need to do if I'm to reserve my powers and my time for the questions that I find interesting. You know, one thing, David, that you could say is you can say, well, okay, this is an unknown phenomenon. We don't know what causes it, and it's possible that phenomenon can cause physical effects even if there's no ET. Yeah, and when you think about it, to say that it's ET is not much different from that. Because I remember when I was a kid, people would say to me, hey, if we had these visitors from other planets, would they just... Zip, zip around our skies? Wouldn't they announce themselves somehow? Would this go on year after year? And I always had the same counter-argument. It's that we don't know what their position is, therefore we can't put ourselves in their position and ask what would they be likely to do. Now, that always seemed to me a convincing counter-argument. I did not grasp that once you say that, calling UFOs extraterrestrial spaceships has no explanatory power whatsoever, because nothing follows from it. Well, yeah, this is, um, you know, I'm of two minds here. I think we're dealing with a multiple, uh, a multifarious phenomena. And, uh, you know, there are cases, very good cases, where physical evidence uh, appears to have been obtained. I know Ted Phillips uh, investigated a case in Delphos, Kansas, that left behind fluorescing material that fluoresced, uh, I think, for about a half to a half a day or 18 hours after the object was there. And we've had vitrified uh, soil. We've Ray Stanford uh, at the Socorro case uh, came up with some incredible uh, evidence, uh, paper with with what appear to be particle uh, beam type burns in it, um, smoking a smoking uh, rabbit brush uh, and chamisa was seen around the, the landing site by Lonnie Zamora. Uh, samples of the charred plants were, were taken. I think we do have a, a body of cases that, that do reflect some sort of physicality. Um, but, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm disagreeing with you on one hand, but I'm also agreeing with you on another hand. I don't, I don't see this mystery as being fully manifest as a nuts and bolts phenomenon. And that's not saying that we don't have cases that, 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 you know, we obviously have cases that are, I think, uh, very physical in nature, but that's why it makes this whole thing so confusing. And so, um, intriguing, at least for people like ourselves here. Um, it's, it's always going to keep you guessing as soon as you think you have it pinned down, it supplies you with the data to refute any theories or, um, any leanings that you might have. So uh, I do think that there are physical cases, but I, I think not all of them are. And we'll get into yeah, more I, of those details in a moment with Dave Halpern and his response. We're going to phrase as a cliffhanger. We're going to make his response a cliffhanger because that's the way radio goes, you know? And that way you'll tune in after the announcements and after we take care of a few pieces of business to find out what he's talking about and what he has to say about what Chris commented on with regard to physical trace evidence. Dave Halpern is the author of a book called Journal of a UFO Investigator. Coming out this month, a novel. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in The Paracast. You 
expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Peter Kranchenbaum from Midas Resources. Today is February fourth, two thousand eleven. Gold opened this morning at thirteen fifty ten. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for thirteen eighty five twenty six, six ninety two sixty three for a half ounce, and three forty six thirty two for a quarter ounce. Thirteen eighty five twenty six, six ninety two sixty three, and three forty six thirty two. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support of the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic-proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $390 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey Sport Bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new Cyclass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than two cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y-WaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call today 1-877-99-BERKEY. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We return with David Halperin, author of Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, David, I put it to you, the physical traces that Chris is talking about. Okay, is it still some kind of mental phenomenon? Can we create reality, you know, with I our minds or some external force like that? I don't think so, at least not in the way that we would have to be to explain UFO traces. Now, there is an extraordinary book, which I read about 25 years ago. I don't know if either of you are familiar with it, by Morton Schatzman, called The Story of Ruth, about a, he was a psychiatrist, Schatzman was, and I think still is, a psychiatrist, and he dealt with a woman patient who had been sexually abused in her childhood, who was totally functional in her adult life. She had just one very unusual property. She was able to hallucinate things, including in his office, which he and she agreed were not physically present, and yet which she experienced as though they were. At one point, I think she tried the experiment, I think at home, I don't think it was in his office, of when her husband was away hallucinating her husband and having very good sex with the hallucinated husband. <laughs> and She should get workshops. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, Schatzman, and this is the thing I most remember of the book, Schatzman quotes a line from Hamlet where... Hamlet sees his father's ghost, and he's in his mother's presence, and he says to her, do you see nothing? And she says, I see nothing, yet all there is, I see. And Schatzman asks, I wonder, how did she know that all there is, I see? So I think this book puts into question what our minds can construct of reality and yet to go so far as to say that our psychological constructions can make holes in the ground that I would not do. I think Jung himself in his classic book on flying saucers says that he doesn't understand how archetypal phenomena can appear on radar screens. Well, how about something? Uh, let's change um, change our focus here a little bit onto another uh, s- seemingly miraculous type of manifestation of phenomenon, and and that would be stigmata. I I, I go back to Padre Pio and and uh, some of this uh, stigmata, the stigmatists. I'm not, I'm not sure how you would say plural, but but we do have um, a pretty good evidence that um, stigmata is a real is a real thing. Uh, Padre Pio, of course, the famous uh, uh, priest back in the uh, 50s and 60s, 
was examined by by scientists, and uh, mm-hmm. he did indeed have supposedly the wounds of Christ. Now, David, would you think that this is a spontaneous manifestation of faith? Could this be such a psychological fixation on piety and the rest of it that that he could actually physically manifest these wounds? Or do you think it's something that's uh, miraculous or something that cannot be explained uh, uh, with modern psychology or modern science? I don't know that those are the only two alternatives. How about if we consider the possibility it might be a perfectly natural phenomenon that's outside the bounds of modern medical thought? but that may may be within its bounds in the 22nd or 23rd century. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's always that possibility, but it seems uh, it seems pretty um pretty interesting that the wound should correspond with the supposed wounds of Christ and and the rest of it. I I I personally feel that it it's probably some sort of psychosomatic um uh, effect of of extreme um devotion and piety and uh and this this will to want it so bad subconsciously that it actually occurs. I would agree. I would completely agree. My only my only caveat would be that I do not know that we yet understand the mechanism. Right. Well, how about if we happen. compound that? How about if we compound that ability of one person to very r- remarkably affect their own physical body? What's to say that? The collective human psyche couldn't manifest a real phenomenon. You know, this is this is something that I, I don't I don't think enough people have done work on it as it relates to the paranormal, as it relates to uh, UFOs. We do suspect that young, uh, troubled adolescent girls tend to um, be the ones that are at the center of a poltergeist outbreak. Here's another example of physical manifestation of phenomena that seems to be centered around a triggering individual. And, you know, I think uh, quite a bit of of study has been done uh, over the years, actually uh, for over 100 years, on the poltergeist phenomena. And there does seem to be what appears to be a relationship between between young adolescents and uh, and the manifestation of poltergeist type effects. So I think that there's there's wiggle room on both sides of this particular argument. Well, I mean, Freud's favorite quotation was, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt of in your philosophy. <laughs> and, and then Did there's you know probably the sto- even more than that. Yeah. Do you know the story about Freud uh, and that uh, quotation? It's, it's told in the unabridged version of Jones's biography of Freud, that jo- Ernest Jones, one of Freud's early disciples, was sitting up late with him. I guess they were up two and three in the morning, and Freud was telling ghost stories. And Jones kept saying, no, no, this can't be. You can't believe this. And Freud just kept saying, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt of in your philosophy. And finally, Jones said, look, if you start believing in this stuff, you're going to start believing in angels. And Freud says, yes, and even der lieber Herr, the good Lord. (laughs) <laughs> and Jones said afterwards, I assumed he was being ironic, but there was a strange look in his eye that gave me pause. <laughs> so I think I will be like that three o'clock in the morning, Freud. Well, you know what? Alan Greenfield and I at three or four o'clock in the morning, strange three o'clock in the morning, decided that UFOs were really 
beings and craft from other dimensions. And we looked at this book, this classic fantasy fiction book called The Incomplete Enchanter. On the base of that, which mm-hmm. I guess was two short novels in one book, as I recall, I read this thing, you know, 12,000 years ago. And we came up with this theory, and then everybody was talking about UFOs from other dimensions. So maybe we caught a wave, but who knows? There's another interesting phenomenon in the UFO field, and it relates to something where you had a connection between ancient ascension traditions and UFO yes. abductions. And I'm going to want to ask yes. you about that when we return. We have David Halperin. He's author of a book, a novel called Journal of a UFO Investigator, about the teen UFO, as they say, experience fictionalized. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. 
Ratchet M10 gas masks are three for thirty dollars, and Swiss filters are three for twelve dollars. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits, and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over fifty dollars only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, or call eight seven seven six zero eight zero one seven nine eight seven seven six zero eight zero one seven nine. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. At HempUSA.org, we offer chemical-free products to people around the world, detoxifying, self-healing while rebuilding the immune system. We urge our listeners to please consider our largest-selling product, MicroPlant Powder. Our MicroPlant Powder is rich in silica and probiotics to help rebuild the immune system and to create a healthy stomach flora. MicroPlant Powder is excellent for daily intake and is perfect to add to your storage shelter. We urge our listeners to please visit us at HempUSA.org. And remember, all of our products are chemical-free and healthy to eat. We constantly strive to give you the best service, highest quality, and rapid shipping anywhere. And we offer free shipping on orders over $95 in the U.S. Please visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608. That's 908-691-2608. See what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at HempUSA.org. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have David Halperin joining us. I don't think he's ever been on a paranormal radio show before. Is that correct, David? That is correct. This is your debut. After this, it'll be the last you ever do. <laughs> Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. So you're telling me here you wrote this paper yeah. comparing the ancient ascension traditions to ufo abductions i bring it up because there's a big controversy in the ufo field now as there always is a controversy this one about the abductions and methodology of two well-known researchers dr david jacobs from temple university and of course bud hopkins but let's not talk about that so much as this paper how do you stage this comparison david yeah well i think i'm going to have to introduce two Hebrew words here. And one of them is Merkava, and that's, you can spell that in English letters as M-E-R-K-A-V-A-H. And the other is Hechalot, H-E-K-H-A-L-O-T, and the K-H is pronounced as if you're clearing your throat. Now, the Merkava, Merkava is Hebrew for chariot, and it's usually referred to, used to refer to the thing that Ezekiel saw in that vision we're talking about. Now, in ancient times, around the, in the first two or perhaps three centuries of the Christian era, the rabbis who put Judaism into the form that we know it today spoke of the Merkava as being a topic that people must not study. You can't study it at all unless you're wise and can understand on your own. It's really pretty dangerous to get involved in it. One boy studied part of the details of Ezekiel's chariot, and fire came forth from that part of the chariot and devoured him. Okay, now, at some point, there seem to have been people 
who carried that fascination with Ezekiel's chariot to actually attempt a shamanic-type journey to visit it. And by shamanic type, I mean that your body stays still, your soul wanders, and you go to see for yourself the things that Ezekiel saw. Or as I would say, you hallucinate seeing for yourself the things that Ezekiel saw. And there are a number of very strange texts coming down to us. They're in Hebrew. They seem to have been written sometime around the 5th, 6th centuries of the Christian era called the Hechalot texts that give descriptions of the worlds of the Merkava, the worlds of the chariot, all the angels, the fiery rivers, all sorts of weird stuff associated with it, and the hymns and the songs that you speak when you want to journey to the chariot, which very oddly is called going down to the chariot. You'd think you'd be going the other way, but they speak of going down to when you go to the chariot, going back when you're coming back. Now, it seemed to me that these journeys to the chariot are very much like what modern abductees describe when they're taken to the UFO. As with the UFO abductions, they, 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 they don't fly in the chariot. They don't ride in the chariot. The chariot is the goal of the journey. As in modern UFO abductions, the feature of eyes, that is E-Y-E-S, huge and terrifying, play an important role. And as in the UFO abductions, the situation of the trance is important. We have, I think there's only one really clear example of this from the ancient Hebrew Hechalot text, but it describes how the participants are in a circle, and one of them is going on this trance journey to the chariot, and he's reporting on what he sees, which is very much like what you see in transcripts of these hypnotic sessions, in which the abductee describes his or her experience and relives it in the situation. And I asked, how do you, how are we going to explain these resemblances. Now, I don't know whether it was the question that shocked the person who read my paper, whom I'll talk about in a moment, or whether it was the answer I gave, and I gave it as a provisional answer, a working hypothesis that we're dealing with screen memories of actual experiences of sexual abuse. I don't know whether it was the question, I don't know whether it was the answer, but when I sent the paper out to a very distinguished journal of religious studies, it was sent to one referee, contrary to the almost universal principle of sending it to, to two referees, and the referee wrote back without any explanation that if I meant this paper seriously, I should be subject to prosecution for criminal malpractice. You're kidding me. Not a bit. Not a bit. 
Oh, my goodness. So much for the openness of academia, huh? Okay, so this is very interesting to me. Okay, so you raise a specter of some kind of sexual abuse. Now, that means, again, that we should have psychiatrists examining these abductees about their early history to see where this abuse may have occurred. Now, is there any basic empirical evidence that this is the case? That, that in C.D.B. Bryan's Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, Bud Hopkins, they're, 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 this, uh, this I find just an incredible resource. Uh, there are extended transcripts of Bud Hopkins's interviews with uh, two women who speak of abduction, and one of them has a fairly explicit memories of having been molested by her father, and Hopkins tries not very successfully to convince her that her that the uh, molestation was actually carried out by UFO aliens, while her father watched helplessly. Okay, so let's just really summarize this very quickly here as we go on. Okay, so when someone says, "Oh, ET took me aboard their spaceship, and they took sexual samples, or I had intercourse with an alien," this is a reflection in your mind of reinterpreting this horrible sexual abuse at some point in your life. Yes, I offered that as a working hypothesis. And I want to stress that because although I was able to give you to answer your challenge in terms of giving empirical evidence, I cannot do it across the board. And in fact, you mentioned two of the the most distinguished hypnotists who work with UFO abductions uh, there is a third, of course, that we need to mention, who was in fact, he's now, he's now deceased through a tragic accident. Uh, this is John Mack, who was professor of psychiatry at Harvard. And Mack does, Mack does raise the possibility that we're dealing with screen memories of sexual abuse. He doesn't believe it, and I would take, given his expertise, I would take that, his doubt very seriously. But at the same time, I, I, I see many cases where there, there, there are just intriguing details in the abduction stories that he presents that one would expect a psychiatrist to follow up on, and he does not. Isn't that unfortunate, too? I mean... Whether you agree with the methods of David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins, I mean, I get the sense they're sincere in what they're doing, but the problem being here and the criticism I make so often of them is that we need professional therapists to look into these cases. If it's not E.T. abducting us, if there's something else going on in the life histories of these people, you know, they're troubled people. They need some sort of help, and we need to provide it, and... Evidently, they're not getting the kind of help they need. We're helping explain a lot of things here. With David Halperin, the book is called Journal of a UFO Investigator. It is a novel, ladies and gentlemen, which means, you know, maybe it's based on fact, ripped from the headlines or their life experiences, but still fiction. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, 
a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Extend your life with Extend Hi, I'm Don Wiskin, and have you ever wondered what the garlic cayenne drops could do for you? February is heart month, and we want you to find out just what can happen when you take the right combination of herbs designed to maintain our cardiovascular health. Purchase a four-month supply of Extendivite drops or capsules Plus, get a bonus month supply of capsules for only $125 plus shipping. That's five months worth of Extendivite for $25 per month. This is a heart month special to help get you started on your path to better health and ends February 28th. So don't be left out. Find out what Extendivite can do for you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's one 1- 877-928-8822 or visit our website at heartdrop.com Extend your life with Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. If you're serious about playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest-running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation, specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure. There's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888-NUC-MVP1 or go to nationalunderclassmen.com to find out more. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next.
We return with David Halperin, and we're talking about UFO abductions. You're in the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien. So, okay, I guess the point I raised here that you were about to answer, David, is that we should be getting professionals in there. These people have problems, even if it's E.T., if it's not E.T., if it's some psychological disturbance. If it is sexual abuse, it's real serious. We've got to deal with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. For all I know, it does help them to believe that these are UFO abductions and to be taken seriously by people like Hopkins or, or David Jacobs, who is a pretty distinguished scholar in his own right. I think he's professor of history at Temple University and, and the late John Mack. So I don't know that any harm is being done to, has been done to these people. By the people, by the people who've seen them as being abducted by aliens. At the same time, it's possible to question whether there's another interpretation of the data. And to me, the pro, one of the primary data is the intense emotional reality that these experiences seem to have for the people, which goes back to the beginning of the abduction to the tradition to Betty and Barney Hill and to uh, what, what uh, everybody seems to concede, that Barney Hill, when he started recovering the memories of his abduction, was in a state of utter terror. The psychiatrist, who had not one bit of belief in the reality of the abduction, the psychiatrist said he was afraid that uh, Barney Hill was going to throw himself out the office window. He was so scared. So we've got to find some way to account for the the intense uh, the the reality of the of, of, of the of the emotional reaction. Okay, so you're suggesting that maybe there's a possibility that both Barney and Betty Hill were subject to some kind of sexual abuse, both of them. Possibly, or possibly Barney, because the and I'm here. I'm drawing on Philip Kloss, who I know is a the late Philip Kloss. Kloss was a very convinced UFO skeptic, uh, and of course Kloss uh, stresses that when he listens to the tapes of Betty Hill, it sounds like she's just going to the store. But he acknowledges that Barney Hill had gone through some absolutely wrenching experience. What it was, I do not know. Now, with Betty, and, and I've, I've given as my working hypothesis that it's some sort of sexual trauma. But with Betty and Barney Hill, who are the beginning of the UFO abduction tradition, we've got another issue that comes in and that I think complements what I heard, the idea of, of sexual trauma, and that is that Barney was black. Betty was white. And if I ask, how did Barney's ancestors come to this country? My guess would be that they were abducted in the middle of the night and taken to a waiting ship. And that's a very interesting insight. So you're saying there could be some sort of um, generational uh process going on where he's got some sort of genetic memory even of of a traumatic event that then is manifested in in this particular uh, on this particular roadside in New Hampshire it sounds sounds interesting in theory i'm not sure if it's workable you'd have to establish a link between you know his great 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 grandparents or however many generations back it, it would be and his actual um you know his actual experience I think the fact that the two of them in the early 60s being together as an interracial couple 
um, I've always felt that that may that's an, a point that needs to be looked at. I think, um, but in the overall um, working hypothesis that you have here about um, sexual trauma, repressed sexual trauma, and the and the manifestation of screen imaging to to um, sort of give us this this abduction scenario. I'm not sure it, might, it may work, at least in my mind, it may work for, you know, a sizable percentage of cases, but it's not going to explain all of them um, by any stretch. Um, I do sense a very deeply psychological liminal um, element that's involved in the abduction phenomena. But uh, I don't think that uh, repressed, uh, you know, sexual uh, angst is is going to explain all your cases there's just too many good quality cases out there with too much documentation about a person's uh, personal history um, for that to be an overarching uh, explanation what what other types of psychological scenarios uh, could we look at to possibly explain maybe some of these other cases I don't know but I think you would agree would you not that the sexual element in the abduction stories tends to be extremely strong. Yes, I, it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a theme that, that tends to run through a majority of cases. Uh, not all, but you do have that what appears on the surface to be a fascination with the human sexual organs, which I find kind of strange. Um, you know, I, I, Terrence McKenna came up with a with a pretty interesting uh, comment. He said he had a hard time believing that there were pro bono proctologists coming to make unannounced uh, house calls uh, from another planet, uh, and and that uh, that's always been something that's kind of annoyed me about the whole mystery. Is that there does seem to be this preoccupation with um, human sexuality. And, and these medieval uh, quality experiments that, that go on that don't even reflect the level of technology that, that, you know, we have now today in the modern world. And if they're so far advanced of us, why are they stooping to levels of uh, medical procedures that, that aren't even up to, um, to our standards? So there is definitely, I think I agree with you, there is definitely some psychological aspect to many of these cases, and it does seem to center around some sort of sexual trauma. I, I do agree. But again, it's it's not a blanket uh, explanation. That, that, that It's not a one-size-fits-all explanation. No, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, that was why I was so tentative in my putting it forth. I think we're, I felt like I was shining a flashlight into the darkness. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't claim that I, that it illuminated every corner of it. But yeah. uh, Chris, I wanted to go back to because this reminds me of your stigmata. You remember the story of Barney Hill, that one of the symptoms, I mean, among the symptoms that drove him and Betty to seek psychiatric help, were there were some really serious ones like high blood pressure, uh, ulcers, but there was also one minor but distinctly weird symptom, which was an almost perfectly circle, perfect circle of warts that appeared around his groin, which in his recollection... In, in the memories that came up, were associated with some sort of a suction cup that was put over his genitalia. I, yeah, that's a detail I kind of f- forgot, but now that you mention it, it rings a bell. Um, wow, uh, you know, you could come up with um, other explanations for a genital warts in a circular fashion. Uh, I won't go there. 
Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is a detail that, that you don't hear very often uh, when people uh, bring up the, the Hill case. Uh, I have heard, I think, a tape of his um, or portions of the tape of his. Um, I think uh, wasn't he hypnotically uh, regressed? And then there's a tape out there where he's screaming, and it, I mean, it does. <laughs> it definitely sounds like he's uh, reliving something very horrific. Yeah. But uh, a suction cup around the genitalia. Uh, I don't know. My mind just. <laughs> I, I think we shouldn't go there. I think we shouldn't go there. But, you know, here's an important point of view here. OK, we have a lot of people who have made the claim or they have the feeling that they've been abducted. And of course, we have, as I said, these investigators, some of whom suggest that they are being groomed for hybrid aliens, you know, aliens in Earth people, regardless how do we get to the bottom of it? You know, we have a lot of troubled people out there who need some kind of treatment, who need some kind of, as they say, I won't want to use that term, need some kind of understanding of what happened to them. How do we get there? Well, I'm wondering if the question of how we, of the, whether the therapeutic question is quite the same thing as the scientific or historical question. I mean, that there is what I call the scientific slash historical question of just what did create these memories. And I'm going to assume for a moment it was not leading questions by the hypnotist, which is, is, is a hypothesis that also needs to be taken seriously. I'll tell you what, not uh, to interrupt you, David, I want to get into that and explore the possibilities yeah. in our next segment. We want you to participate in our Paracast forums. Yes, we do. Here's how you do it. Go to forum.paracast.com. That is forum.paracast.com. Once you're there, you give yourself a unique username to sign up. You can't use Gene Steinberg. I don't even think you can use Captain Marvel. But give yourself a name, and then we invite you to read and participate in our forums. We have David Halperin. The book is Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This takes us to the final four segments of our episode with David Halperin. And our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast, and we're exploring... 
of course, the meaning or possible meaning behind UFO abductions. So let's continue. You started an answer. I had to interrupt you. I'd like you to continue it. Yeah, that I think that there's the historical question of what gives rise to these memories or pseudo-memories. And then there is a therapeutic question of given that you've got people who are in pain, although it seems for the most part functional, given that they're in some pain, how best do you ease their pain increase their functionality and the two answers may not be the same it may be more useful for them to believe that they've been abducted by extraterrestrial beings but that does not make that the correct answer to the historical scientific question am i making sense there right in in other words uh in some cases the screen memory may be healthier for the individual than having to go through the shock and trauma of reliving the real thing is what you're kind of referring to, correct? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I, I don't know just how you deal, what, what is the best way of dealing with traumatized people? You yeah, that's a tough one. And, and, and that's why, again, going back uh, to Gene's comment that, uh, you know, we really do need to bring the powers of modern psychology and uh, and maybe psychiatry into this whole uh, abduction uh, field because there there's too many people playing with dynamite uh, out there when they're using hypnotic regression to bring troubled people back into a place of reliving certain very traumatic events, whether they be real or screen memories. And I, I really do agree with Jane that we need to have trained professionals doing this type of work and, and that an amateur could, you know, have the best of intentions, but could uh, accidentally really create some uh, further problems, I think, psychologically for some of these folks. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I would wonder, is there any documented case of people being injured by being hypnotized by people like Bud Hopkins or uh, David Jacobs? How do you know? I mean, we have this one claim by a woman in New Zealand who claims she was mentally abused by David Jacobs, but that's, of course, Uh, controversial and still subject to dispute. But then if a person is made to believe something that didn't happen, they think that, you know what, E.T. came down here, took your sperm, raped you, whatever, and they're creating hybrid beings. Maybe you even have hybrid children. You know, that's a pretty nasty state of affairs, if it's true. And if you believe something that's false... It doesn't help you resolve the conflict within you. Okay, I would, I would accept that. And I wonder if I could polemicize for a moment, in def- uh, sort of in support of my kind of a priori turning away from the ET hypothesis, to say if we ask what makes more sense to explain highly sexualized memories, is it experiments by extraterrestrial beings who we don't know why they should be so interested in our sexual equipment, or memories that relate to our, that come from within us, because we're going to be really interested in our own sexual equipment. It would seem to me the second alternative makes a heck of a lot more sense. And then you've still, again, the acceptance. So, okay, so do you have a proposal here to offer about getting more professionals in here to understand what's going on? Because certainly... If someone is sexually abused, we want to find out who the offender is, a family member or somebody who is not part of the family. Certainly, if this is happening from not just a psychological standpoint, but from a legal standpoint, we have to get to the bottom of it. 
Yeah, though there you get into other problems, which is what brought the whole sexual abuse memories idea into discredit in the 1990s, which is that people tended to forget that what is adequate historical evidence is not necessarily adequate legal evidence for putting somebody in jail. Yeah. Well, there's also a statute of limitations after a certain number of years. Even if you knew who did the offense, you can't do anything about it. Right. Right. And really, I mean, the law requires beyond reasonable doubts. History doesn't. History requires balance of probability. Okay, so going back through history, are we saying then the ancient traditions were also involving cases of some sort of sexual abuse? Yes. Yes. Well, you also and have... that you may also, have been what spooked out my referee. You know, it could be a combination of, of, of causal elements uh, as well. The whole idea of sleep paralysis uh, relating to the medieval incubus, uh, incubi and succubi, for instance. Yeah. Um, you know, if possibly if a constellation of of life history events come together in a certain way, possibly that might be an equation that then triggers what appears to be to the to the witness uh, or to the experiencer. Uh, it appears to be an abduction uh, scenario. Perhaps you need a, a combination of of events in a person's life coming together subconsciously to then create, you know, and manifest an abduction type experience in their in their present day scenario. I personally um, had a what I consider to be an encounter experience when I was um, six, uh, just turned seven, back in Bellevue, Washington, and uh, this was a fully conscious experience with again your your number three. There possibly was a fourth being involved in this, but. I was followed around uh, my neighborhood, basically three different houses on my my street, uh, three in the morning by these uh, entities that were about the same size as me. And I don't recall any sort of abduction experience. And I don't think I was gone long enough to really fall into that particular missing time category. But I don't recall any sort of physical contact. I don't recall any sort of trauma involving some sort of experimentation or being taken anywhere. So there are cases that kind of fall through the cracks uh, in this particular subject matter where people have up close and personal experiences but don't appear to have interacted in, in a, uh, a physical way with, with these uh, screen images, uh, aliens, however you want to call them. So how do you reconcile these cases along with, obviously, what we've been talking about? I don't. I don't. All I can say is that th- that this is something that's outside the, the explanatory power of my model, and I'd have to I'd have to hear more details about your experience, and I, I would still be guessing. I, I would think probably my first questions to you would be, when, uh, how did these me- how did the memories of the uh, is there any correlation with how these memories arose? What did the experience mean to you? Questions of that sort, which I, which actually I would be completely fascinated hearing your answer to. Well, again, it, it was not something I was looking for. I had not been exposed to the mass media or popular culture. I hadn't seen science fiction movies. I had not been uh, exposed, at least to my knowledge now, looking back. Uh, I was kind of sheltered from TV and movies and that sort of thing until I was about eight or nine. Um, it was a fully conscious experience. Uh, I remembered it vividly the next day. Uh, my whole family heard about it. 
course, I was sleepwalking and had a nightmare, but I knew better. Um, I had a physical, I actually ran, tried to run out my kitchen door and forgot that my dad had put the screen on and banged into the door. So I, I knew I was awake. So if I was having some sort of uh, experience that was sleepwalking, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I was really deep out, if, if you want to yeah. put it that way, um, which I don't think I was, but... You know, there are other cases like this. I had a very interesting case that uh, occurred to me. I had the sensation of of invisible energies entering my room. This is only one or two times I've ever had this feeling, and, and it was very uh, vivid in my, in, you know, I, I just felt it physically that these that there was something invisible in my room in a group of them. And I found out two weeks later that my neighbor had a group Literally, my neighbor, I mean, not even 40 yards away, uh, at about the same time period, had a group of these, you know, your typical alien greys come through the wall like water, she described them, and they seemed to be fixated on her son who was in his crib, in uh, in a crib next to her bed, and she she was very frightened of, of this and banished them out of the room. Now, this is the wife of uh, the widow of Artie Lang, a very, you know, super on the ball, very smart and astute lady and uh i'll tell you what we'll talk about this in more detail in our next segment we have david halperin the co-host is chris o'brien i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up do something about it Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. Gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. There's mounting evidence suggesting that there are people, governments, corporations, and whole professions intent on short-circuiting humanity's well-being. GMO, food legislation protecting big agriculture, the attempted elimination of vitamins and alternative medicines, it seems their hand has been tipped. They want to dictate your health, wealth, and your longevity. 
Whatever the outcome, we have a solution. Wild edible food. Why worry about food when all has been provided? We imagine that we were ejected from the garden and never invited back, but the garden's still here. There is an endless wild abundance which grows all over our green earth, just waiting for you to wake up and see it. Let author Linda Runyon teach you how to see, know, get, prepare, store, and eat wild edible food. Save money, add nutrition, and ignore the noise when you go shopping in nature's supermarket. Go to ofthefield.com and get started today. Or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and begin to see a different world. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear, the teen UFO years. And I won't try to imitate the late Fred Foy, who was the announcer of The Lone Ranger, and also the Dick Caput Show, as a matter of fact. We have David Halperin, our co-host Chris O'Brien, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast, and you were telling us something, Chris, that I want you to continue, please. Well, the point uh, the point I'm bringing up is here's a, a me having what I consider I, I do consider myself to be a very uh, aware and you know I, I journal, I write everything down, I've, I've got you know a pretty good sense of my my environment, and to have a very unusual experience then you know, occur the same night, I find out two weeks later that my neighbor had something even more manifest than I did occur to her, a super, what I would call credible witness. And um, she had a very special son too. And, and that's why she thought that they were interested in him. But the reason why I bring this up is, is, is simple. Not all encounter cases have this sexual element to them. Yeah. They don't have yeah. physical interaction between the the victim witness and uh, in these screen images or physical beings, if you will. Yeah. Is there possibly, and this is my question, is there possibly a way to figure out to differentiate between the causal elements in this? Um, I think possibly someone that has manifested a constellation of, of psychological events. I'm, I'm going with your, your theory here. Let's say witnesses manifest a certain constellation of, of psychological factors 
through their history and through their lives. And if they do have sexual abuse, possibly those are the cases that then turn into the cases where you have some sort of physical examination and some sort of sexual element involved. You, what do you think of that? And what I'm, what I'm hearing you saying is that there is some phenomenon that lies beyond that, that in people with this constellation will appear as sexual experimentation and in others will take other and perhaps more benign forms. Am I hearing you right? Exactly. So if you do have some sort of of um, sexual trauma in your life, whether it be inadvertent or otherwise, probably the most intense ones are when you have, um, you know, f- uh, familial um, in- incestuous type sexual trauma yeah. w- w- would be probably the most traumatic. But possibly that's that's what we're seeing here is we're seeing a a compiling of psychological factors that if it includes some sort of sexual trauma, then it manifests itself in a in a in a more sexually oriented uh, scenario within the abduction framework. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. It's beyond the range of my flashlight. That is, <laughs> Gene, is, can is, we is, get this guy one of their million candle power spotlights so we can uh, really shine it on it? Yeah. <laughs> We're a low budget show, Chris. I don't think. We're in a position to shine that kind of what, light. What, we try. That what kind I'm of- thinking here is uh, that I, I, I ought to pursue this a little bit, that it seems to me that if we perceive, and, and this again is my polemic, okay, that if we perceive the essential UFO mystery as being this sort of thing, then I think we've got a good chance, I won't say of solving it, but of understanding it more in another 10 or 20 years if we pursue this kind of line of inquiry. Right. Of course, we're not talking about, uh, we're not bringing into it supposed implants and the physicality of scars and other other things yeah. uh, that, you know, allegedly are, are related to this. I'm, I'm, I'm still uncertain in my mind that many of these cases are legitimate uh, in terms of having supposed physical evidence, although there are some cases that are pretty hard to argue with where abductees exhibit real physical signs of being traumatized. You mentioned uh, you know, Barney Hill and the genital warts uh, scenario. But um, I, I agree with you. I think that we need to be more out of the box with this. I think we need to bring in, as Gene said, more professional uh, interest in this subject. We need funding. We need a way to create a scenario where we can do hard science in the abduction phenomenon. Uh, W.C. Levengood, uh, who is a biophysicist uh, at the Grass Lakes Biophysical Laboratory in Wisconsin, came up with an idea of putting hair into, into curlers and having abductees have these curlers in their hair and have ungerminated seeds in these curlers to study the effect of the experience scientifically energetically on the actual ungerminated seeds. I think it's a brilliant idea, and we need more thinking like that to really, I think, ascertain scientifically what's going on and at the same time look at it more deeply from the psychological level. One thing that bothers me, which I should mention before we go on, David and Chris, is that, you know, I've suggested we've got to have webcams in there, in the bedrooms of people being abducted to see what's going on. But when those webcams are there, Either they don't work or nothing is seen. Never seems to happen. We can't capture a physical event ever. Well, we the d- darkness is in the soul, and that it's a psychological issue that makes perfect sense and doesn't in any way detract from the importance of the mystery. 
Well, we have the Sherman Ranch case, the Skinwalker Ranch case, where they had one camera looking at another camera. They had an event triggering some of their gear when they went out to, and then the cam- one of the cameras went down, and they went out to check out that camera. It all the wires had been ripped out. Yet when they looked at the image of the other camera that was filming that camera, there was no indication anything happened. So, and, and it, these are world class scientists now doing this work. It's not just some, uh, you know, a webcam in a in a person's bedroom. Okay. So I, I guess what I'm suggesting is that physicality is it, it doesn't necessarily uh, it's not predicated on actual you know visual evidence. Sometimes uh, things can occur uh, in the blink of an eye, possibly, or things can occur with some sort of of, of screen image that blocks the actual event itself. I'm going to ask another question, too, since we're talking about physical effects. What about the so-called electromagnetic effect, David, where someone in a car sees a UFO and suddenly, and this, of course, is the classic image from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where the car stops working. When the UFO is in the vicinity, as soon as it leaves, the car powers up, everything's normal. How do we explain that? Well, I guess, I mean, the standard skeptical explanation, isn't it, is that the, the witness is nervous, fumbles, uh, that the engine dies the way sometimes my engine dies when I get nervous in traffic. And then once the experience is over, the witness's serenity returns. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily will work, but at least that's the one that I've heard. It's like Lyle Watson's book, uh, The Secret Life of Inanimate Objects, uh, <laughs> where yeah. cars start up by themselves and drive around being chased by cops and make corners and speed up and slow down. Uh, I'm not sure if that works as a blanket explanation for – I'm sure it does for some cases, but we have too many cases where trained observers have had this happen, military people, uh, for instance, uh, obviously law enforcement Scientists, uh, an air traffic controller I, I talked to um, had a similar thing happen. He swore he never touched the ignition. He never, all he did was was slow down, take his foot off the gas, and look, and boom, the car died. And then as soon as the thing left, he hadn't moved except his head. Boom, the car started up on its own. So maybe that's maybe the the human mind has the ability to manifest um, electrical effects like this, but. I, I haven't seen any uh, empirical evidence that would su- you know, support that. Yeah. Here's another kind of effect. It's called a commercial. David Halperin's our guest. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter 
Skip the long lines and high prices at the florist because right now at proflowers.com, you can get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and a free box of chocolates for just $29.99. Just visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Unlike overpriced flowers at the florist, which sit in the cooler for days, our flowers are sent fresh cut from the fields and are guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days. Just visit proflowers.com today to get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase and free chocolates for only $29.99. Order now and pick the delivery date you want. It's guaranteed. But hurry, because Valentine's Day is this Monday, and our special offer ends this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit proflowers.com. Look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 4444. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at military surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179, MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and 9th day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. And our co-host, by the way, is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. We return for the last two segments, our visit with David Halperin, author of Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel about the teenage UFO years. Before we go on, David, David, in writing this book, I'm going to do this because I'm an egomaniac, because you have to be an egomaniac to go on the radio every week and do a show of any kind. So if I pick up this book and go through, and I've read a lot of it, fascinating novel, nearly 275, 300 pages. Do I find myself represented here or not? You do not. You are not in the book, Gene. 
Oh, no, he was he was really looking forward to being like, you know, maybe even a composite of characters or something. But yeah. OK, well, that, that's I mean, an important that, point here. If we look at this book, will we recognize personalities in the UFO field represented no. here? No, you will not, because I chose to write the book not about my actual experience as a teenage UFO investigator, but starting off from certain, well, well, there are two things that are autobiographical in it. One is the family background. The, the, the protagonist of the book, like me, spent his adolescence with a dying mother. Okay, and that, that background, which, which occurs certainly, it's, 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 uh, it's evident at the beginning of the book, that, that that is something I know from my own adolescence. The other thing that's autobiographical is a bit more complex, that I remember some of the fantasies, some of the dreams even. I think they were dreams, although conceivably they could, be, could have been waking fantasies that I had in those years. And in the book, I asked the question, what would happen if these fantasies were set in motion? For example, I remember I had a, uh, I had a dream it might have been a waking fantasy, I think it was a dream, that I was in this big rambling old house, I think somewhere out in the country, attending a meeting of a scientific society of very serious teenagers interested in exploring the realms beyond conventional science, one of whom was a beautiful blonde girl in an evening dress. And I took that scene... And what if the narrator of the journal really was at a meeting of such a society? And what if there was a beautiful blonde, as she turns out to be seductress and thief at the meeting? And what if she and Danny take a shine to each other? What if? And that's where the story goes. So that the real-life UFO investigators, I don't think, appear in it at all. Gene, are you disappointed? Ah. Uh, he was convinced that he's, he, he just had to have been in there somewhere, but uh, maybe subconsciously he's in there. I would be the villain. And you've manifested him subconsciously in your writing. By does the way, the UFO David, investigator in this book, David, tell our listeners, does he really encounter any extraordinary events or is it mostly about the people not so much about the science fiction it's about the people i mean it's a, the book is essentially a coming of age story and one of the as, coolest covers i have ever seen on a book i love the dust jacket cover it's just it's so striking did you did the publisher do that you had a hand oh, yeah. in that no i i had no hand at all they uh, they presented it to me and told me this was my cover whether i liked it or not it's well they did a good one for you it's excellent yep. as publishers do and sometimes they do an awfully good job this is an incredible cover incredibly distinctive it's also a hardcover book by the way listen to that you know breaking over on a hardcover book we don't see With the word ufo on the cover i love it is there going to be like an amazon kindle version or an ibook version well, there's, there's, there's already uh, going to be an audio version. I don't know if it's available yet. Who did the uh, audio? You? Uh, no. No. A, a person. I, uh, I've seen the name, but it, it, it rings no bells for me. The audio is available from Blackstone, or will be available from Blackstone. And I, I think I may have mentioned that the book has been published in Spain. 
under the title Diario de un Investigador de OVNIs, and it will be published also in Italian and German versions. What about the movie rights? Uh, not yet sold. Uh, <laughs> we have to think who's going to play our protagonist, who's going to play yes. young David Halperin. So what age group is this coming of age? Is this something like the mid-teens or so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what the, the, the story begins with the protagonist uh, turning 13, and it ends when he's 17. Yeah. And it's uh, it's essentially about him and what and uh, the story that he needs to tell himself in order to cope with his real life. The book, of course, is Journal of a UFO Investigator by David Halperin, and it's a lot different than what you might expect because this is the kind of story where even if UFOs aren't part of the picture, it would be a fascinating story. Well, I'm sure it, it looks it looks at motivations and it looks at uh, at the development of critical thinking. I would imagine I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, although I do plan on it. Of course, I'm, I'm traveling now, so I've, it's <laughs> been a little rough for me to do much besides uh, work. But I, I I can't wait to dive into it. Um, I especially now that, that I've been introduced to David and, and talked to him, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think that this is a really um, interesting literary project in that so many people in this field are looking at at the nuts and bolts and the theories and, and you know, they're bantering back and forth uh, different hypotheses. And people tend to forget that it's it's real people that are out there developing uh, themselves as they go about learning about themselves in life and and how to uh, investigate the mysterious and how to, to look at the things that they can't explain in their life. And uh, I think uh, this is a, a brilliant idea, and I can't wait to dive into it and really, really embrace it um, as, as, a, um, as a look at the motivations, uh, if nothing else, of, of kids that are involved in this, uh, especially back in, the, in the, the golden years, the glory years of this field. Yes. Now, one of the questions I'm going to ask, and I think this is where we frame it, we had this teen UFO movement in the 50s and 60s and maybe to some part in the 70s. We don't see that happening in the 21st century. Is there maybe because teens are so much different today or because UFOs don't hold that fascination anymore? I don't think it's the latter. My sense is that UFOs have, a, have, have an enduring fascination. I mean, I, I, I remember it was actually when I was doing a, an email interview on UFOs several months ago that when I was waiting for my correspondent to send me her question, I, was, I, I looked at uh, w, uh, CNN.com, and the top news story was a fireball seen in the sky somewhere over Kansas, which was being viewed by something like twice as many people as were viewing the second top story, which was uh, t one of Tiger Woods' mistresses getting arrested for drunk driving. And usually that's really the top story. <laughs> yeah, yes, really. yes. And c consistently, it seems to me, when, you, when, when there is a UFO story on, on CNN.com, that is the one that people gravitate to. And uh, I don't know if you, if you all have seen that movie, The Fourth Kind. But when it, uh, uh, when it came out in the, uh, at the end of uh, 2009, it was one of the top-grossing movies 
in the, in this country, and then it it fell off very quickly after the reviews started panning it, and I myself uh, thought thought it was a very poor movie, uh, but the the theme of it, which is UFO abductions, is something that appeals deeply to people. So I, I, I don't think that UFOs have lost one bit of their power. Now, whether they still have the function for adolescents in difficult situations, such as I was in, that they did then, I I don't know. I mean, I, I was intrigued when I heard Jerry Clark say that uh, in, in your interview that there that there don't seem to be that that there doesn't seem to be that teen UFO scene anymore. And I don't have I, I I can offer nothing more than the wildest guesses. Why not? We have David Halperin. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. At HempUSA.org, we offer chemical-free products to people around the world, detoxifying, self-healing while rebuilding the immune system. We urge our listeners to please consider our largest selling product, MicroPlant Powder. Our MicroPlant Powder is rich in silica and probiotics to help rebuild the immune system and to create a healthy stomach flora. MicroPlant Powder is excellent for daily intake and is perfect to add to your storage shelter. We urge our listeners to please visit us at HempUSA.org. And remember, all of our products are chemical-free and healthy to eat. We constantly strive to give you the best service, highest quality, and rapid shipping anywhere. And we offer free shipping on orders over $95 in the U.S. 
please visit us at hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608. That's 908-691-2608. See what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at hempusa.org. They all laughed when I told them my body cleansing tonic was tea. But after 10 days, my body feels way more energized, and I've lost nearly 15 pounds. (laughs) They're not laughing now. That's what John from Oklahoma said about Life Change Tea. In the six months of being on the tea, all my digestive problems have cleared up. My energy levels have gone way up, and my constipation problems are no more. And that's what Michelle from California said about Life Change Tea from GetTheTea.com, the amazing all-natural tea that cleanses your body from toxins, chemicals, bacteria, viruses, and molds, while helping to lower high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lower blood sugar levels, and help you lose weight. Life Change Tea has no caffeine and is all natural, all organic. Go to GetTheTea.com today or call 928 308 0408. That's getthetea.com or call 928 308 0408. Life Change Tea really changes things. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can. Thank you, Jim Mosley. Glad to have you aboard as a listener. A reminder, if you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, the things you hear, the things you'd like to hear, please write us directly. News at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. I promise we read every email message we get. Now, David Halpern is joining us for the final session. The book is called Journal of a UFO Investigator, a novel. Kind of a coming-of-age novel. I look forward to having this sold maybe... As a TV movie would be the most appropriate, I wonder. But we'll have to see. He'll he'll take anything. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in the Paracast. And as we look towards the UFO field in general, there has been ongoing movements of one type or another for some sort of disclosure dating back from the 50s with Major Donald Kehoe. Today, various forms of requests for disclosure. The government knows something about UFOs. They must reveal it. But the UFO that you talk about, the government wouldn't even care about, would they? I doubt it. I'm not sure how much they cared about UFOs of any Good answer. So the people who are hoping for disclosure, they're whistling in the dark? That would be my guess. I I mean, as uh, E.J. Ruppelt ended his classic book, Only Time Will Tell, but, I mean, I, I, wasn't, wasn't there some talk uh, a few weeks ago that uh, WikiLeaks was going to produce something about UFOs, and it turned out to be just a joke, that, uh, that at most somebody used UFOs as a kind of metaphor? I seriously doubt that anything's going to turn up. Yep, I agree with you there. I could always predict, I think, having followed this for so many years, that even if UFOs are E.T., Nothing will be disclosed. Yeah. Okay, but then that brings back the other question, too, about possible government interactions. You can say, then, that when people remember something happening near Roswell, New Mexico, it wasn't the crash of a UFO. I mean, I found Carl Flock's book tremendously persuasive, that it was a top-secret 
espionage project. So naturally, there was a cover-up. In a situation like that, to be fair about it also, and I'm not taking a side here, if you have this top-secret craft, the average military person wouldn't know. There'd be no need to know. They wouldn't have to know this. So they could see this happening, and maybe they say it's a flying saucer. And then the management comes down, the leadership, the commanders say, oh, no, this is a top-secret thing. There's nothing to do with that. You've got to retract the story, which is, of course, where the mystery starts. Then they say, oh, it was a balloon. Yeah. Or it, or I mean, if, if a flock is right, and I, found, I find them very persuasive, it was a balloon, but part of a bal- not just an ordinary weather balloon. It was part of a, uh, a balloon train used for taking radio equipment up to the edge of the stratosphere. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question if you think about it. Like, the, you, you remember the uh, UFO that uh, Thomas Mantell chased? Was that really a UFO? And if it was a skyhook balloon, which I think is the conventional explanation of it, in a sense it was a UFO because hardly anybody knew those things existed. It was basically an unfortunate accident. Yeah, but I mean that the object being chased was something that in fact was unidentified in terms of the knowledge that most people had. So when we hear stories then, and in our previous week's episode, we had George Filer, Eastern UFO representative for MUFON. He's the Eastern investigator. He's got a publication called Filer's Files, where he collects UFO tales from around the world. Mm-hmm. And he talked of cases where he saw a UFO as a navigator for the Air Force, mm-hmm. and that it was tracked on radar. So the question, of course, we ask, what did George Filer see? Uh-huh. Because I that mean, doesn't fit into the imagination, does it? I don't think so, but I just don't know. And, of course, he also talked about instances where they tried to shoot at the UFO and something may or may not have fired back. Well, at least they didn't end up coming back uh, to their base. That is to say that some other airplane went after the UFO. They tried shooting at it, and somehow the plane disappeared. Exactly, crash somehow, or like the of course the famous Philip um, was it Philip Mantel, Thomas Mantel, who uh, you know they, I guess the official explanation now is that he was chasing Venus. No, I think that was the first one. I don't think that ever made sense. Uh, I don't think Venus is ever visible in in daylight. But I think the standard explanation was that it was a balloon of the. It was called a skyhook balloon. I don't know. Tell you the truth, I don't know exactly what it did. But like so many projects in the immediate post-war era, it was kept tightly under wraps, so hardly anybody knew that these giant balloons existed. So naturally, somebody would say, ooh, uh, there's a a weird thing in the sky, let me go up and take a look. That, uh, you know, since nobody knew that these, or hardly anybody knew that these skyhook balloons existed, naturally, somebody seeing one would would say, you know, there's something weird up here that needs to be investigated and go up after it. And in a sense, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define these things. It was an unidentified flying object, something that didn't fit into any of the categories that people knew of in those times. Well, the original intention, if you follow what Edward Ruppelt said in his book, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, is that you did it that way because you're just saying, here's something flying around that we don't know. Therefore, it's unidentified. Yeah. Period. It doesn't have to be E.T. Right. So would you call, a, would you call some sort of balloon that nobody knows exists or hardly anybody knows exists 
Would you call that an unidentified flying object? By that definition, of course you would, except, of course, ultimately it becomes identified. It's only the 10 or 20 percent of cases we can't figure out that form the core of the so-called UFO mystery. Yeah. So at this point, having studied UFOs all these years, coming to the conclusions you do, where do you go from here? Promoting strictly the book? Uh, okay. I'm following Jung here. I think UFOs are a myth. And following Jung, I don't mean that to disparage them. I think myths are fantastically important. To borrow a phrase from Freud, I think they're the royal road into the human soul. And I think there's a limit to what you can do with myths if you write about them in analytic, academic prose. What I... I'm doing what I did in this in this novel, what I want to do in future fiction projects, because I think I'm going to be mostly writing fiction from now on, is exploring myth by retelling it. I mean, one of the people who read the book and wrote uh, wrote, wrote nice things on the back of the back cover, Keith Donahue, called called my my novel a compelling re a compelling reimagining of the myth of UFOs intertwined with the deepest longing of a teenage boy which i would understand as a twining together of the overarching myth that which is archetypal and that which is individual and i imagine myself writing novels that do that kind of thing not necessarily with ufos but bringing us together with our myths would you then create a fantasy novel or a science fiction novel for that reason i might what else can you say I'm working now off and on. I, I've told you about this man, Cardozo, the Jewish mystic of the 17th century. I'm working off and on about a novel in which a woman psychiatrist in the year 2000 has a patient who begins to recover fragment memories and dream fragments of Cardozo. Because I want to explore what is it like if a 17th century mystic and would-be messiah carries his mythic world into the beginning of the 21st century and manages to persuade a skeptical 21st century woman to go along with it. What happens to these people? We what can't wait to see it. We're just about out of time. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of the things that you do? Well, if you're in L.A., uh, that's where you'll find me right now. But I do have a website. It's called OurStrangePlanet.com. It is a strange planet. It's Our Strange Planet. And uh, you can find my entire database of my many years in the San Luis Valley there and also uh, find information on how to get signed copies of my books. Chris O'Brien, our co-host. David Halperin, after all these years, very nice to talk to you again and listen to your experiences and knowledge. Thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you so much, Gene. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>